Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast Thursday edition. It's a solo pod today. You're just going to hear from me, uh, but that's all right. We're going to have some fun anyway. We've got some good stuff planned for you here today. Uh, we've been continuing in this series that we've titled The Greatest Sermon Ever Told. Essentially, it's looking at Jesus' teachings on uh, in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. He's teaching a group of people on a plane. Uh, it's often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plane. It's uh, referred to in, uh, if you are a fan of the TV show The Chosen, it's referred to as the plateau. So uh, a lot of different maybe geographical things going on here, but essentially Jesus is in front of a large crowd and he's giving teaching about the coming of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And he wants to describe to the people listening what it looks like to be a part of it, what it looks like to be a representative inside of this kingdom. You know, there's been an expectation of this Messiah that is to come and what he's going to bring with him. And uh, honestly, it's thought it's going to be a military revolution, but Jesus is saying, no, it looks more like like this and this and this. It doesn't look like fighting with an oppressive nation that is above you. It looks like actually walking with them an extra mile than they ask you to or force you to. It looks like instead of when you are wronged or when your personal uh, privileges or rights have been uh, stripped or damaged or taken advantage of, instead of you trying to take justice for yourself, it looks like trusting God to take justice in his own way. And so uh, we've been continuing this series. We just finished Matthew chapter 5 last week. We're picking it up in chapter six this week, which I'm really excited about because there's some interesting stuff here that kind of builds off our previous discussion here. And he starts out like this. He says, uh, in chapter six, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your, hand, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I think Jesus, in some ways, is building on the teaching that he's already given. He, in our last episode, we talked about how he talked about loving your enemies and not taking justice for yourself and being of such a good character that you don't need to swear on a bunch of things for people to be convinced that you're going to follow through on what you say, but just to say yes or no, because you are, uh, you know, you are as good as your word. Um, And so he adds to those now by talking about being generous with your finances, with your resources, with the things that God has blessed you with to see them not as your own, but as opportunities to bless others. And so this whole idea kind of encompasses this life of generosity and uh, looking to others and looking to serve others that Jesus is going to be teaching about. Instead of taking for yourself, it's about giving to others around you. And um, he, he kind of gives this really interesting twist on the way that we 
have a framework for the world. So we see things as when we get good things here on this earth, we typically think that must mean that we're doing something right. Either it's conscious or subconsciously, we just kind of have that assumption. Like if, if a good thing happens to us, well, we must have done something good. It's it's this weird kind of scorekeeping that seems almost innate to us at different times. And we have to kind of battle against that as followers of Jesus because that's not really what he teaches us. But it's just, it's really hard to not kind of look at the world that way. But what he shows here is, uh, read, listen, listen to what he talks about when he says reward. If you practice righteousness before others to be seen by them, you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. If you give to the needy in order to be seen and praised by others, you have already received your reward. There's this interesting kind of paradigm shift here that Jesus is saying, when you do something for the benefit of your reputation or people to say good things about you or to receive good things here in this life, that is all the reward you're going to get. When you do them without seeking approval or appreciation or any kind of gift or reward here on earth, you have stored up a future. It's almost like an investment. You will receive a reward in the future. And it kind of shifts our focus to like, okay, so so what's the better reward? Or what's my focus here on getting any kind of reward in this life? Am I worried about any kind of appreciation or any reward that I'm going to receive now? Or would I see it better as receiving a reward in the future? Now, this is so much harder We than, 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 I'm, than that sounds. You know, obviously like, just putting words to it like that makes it sound like, oh yeah, like obviously one of those kind of seems better than the other, right? Like ultimately we should believe that a reward in heaven in the future is better than maybe any reward we get here on earth. What can man give to me that God could not? However, it's it's a lot harder. Um, it's a lot easier said than done. It's a lot harder in practice, but something to think about as we uh, continue our our podcast today is just like what does it look like for you to live a life like that where you're focused on the reward that you might receive in heaven or a reward from your heavenly father as opposed to rewards that you can receive in this life ultimately i'll give you a, a little bit of a teaser so uh in this sermon series that we're currently in it's called in the image uh we're talking about being made in the image of god and how we've been given these rights and responsibilities to rule and have dominion over the earth and when we do that that well, we create the best opportunity for human flourishing. And when we do it poorly, it looks very selfish and uh, we look more like consumers than we do stewards of the resources of the earth. And so uh, I guess as I kind of give you this preview of this week, I'm thinking about talking about how our, our jobs, our employment, what we do with most of the, our week, if you are, uh, you know, get a, an office or maybe you have, you know, whatever your job looks like, whatever, however you spend your time uh, to make money, to survive on this planet, what is the most valuable thing when it comes to that occupation? See, I think if you were to look at it through our typical lens, it would probably be something along the lines of you know your compensation, the benefits that you receive, uh, whatever makes the job most comfortable for you right now. But I think what God has what God has challenged us with, what God has commanded us in this beginning of Genesis and looking at how we were made in the image of God to have these role, this role to uh, have good stewardship over his creation and the resources of the earth is that really like creating a, a best place for human and creation flourishing and, and to make a great place for everyone to live and exist together is like the number one thing that we should look for in how we spend our time, including even in our occupation. So 
if you're a teacher or you handle finances or you serve in some way or you know whatever it is you could look at the business that you are a part of or businesses that you use and look at what their mission statement is it's hardly ever if ever about profits it's usually, hey, we want to help the world in some way. Hey, we want to do this or do that. I think there's a pharmaceutical company. I, I want to say it's, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it, it's one of the, the bigger name um, pharmaceutical companies that like their mission statement is that we want to like end world suffering or we want to like, uh, you know, we want to take away suffering in humans. And I think like that's incredible. We look at them and go, oh man, they just, raise the price of aspirin by, you know, 30 cents or trying to get the most out of this, uh, this money. And, and, you know, think what you will, uh, I'm not trying to make any kind of conclusions about the medical industry or anything like that, but just to say that like, typically when we look at companies, like their initial founding principle is about doing good in the world. It's about creating human flourishing. It's about opportunities for humanity and creation to thrive. And yet we've kind of created this mindset where it's all about the bottom line. It's all about profits, all about our own compensation or benefits that we will receive. And so when we talk about this idea that Jesus is, uh, you know, opening up here with this idea of giving to the needy, when he says, you know, don't look for the reward in this life, but look for the reward in the age to come, uh, the reward that you will receive from your heavenly father, uh, I think we can look at our roles, our responsibilities here on earth as, hey, what am I doing to get the most out of uh, my role that I've been given here on earth, namely to, to rule, to reign, to have dominion, to create the greatest place for human flourishing for uh, us and all the rest of creation. And so uh, I think that Jesus is kind of shifting our, our viewpoint here. And this is, again, lines up with the rest of the, this whole teaching that he gives. It's a hard teaching. Again, it's way easier said than done to change our, our vantage point in that because we, we do want to believe that, that money or uh, resources or our, our benefits package or whatever it may be, actually, it, it does. I mean, it so obviously creates a, a more comfortable life for us. It creates a better existence for us personally and, and honestly gives us the opportunity to possibly create a better existence and more comfortable existence for our friends and family and things like that too. So I don't want to say that it should never matter what our compensation is or never matter what our benefits are, but just that we should kind of shift our perspective to like, how is, how is my job? How am I spending my time? Because honestly, time is such a valuable resource as well that we, we devalue uh, so much, but uh, it's a, such a valuable resource into how we're impacting the world as well. Uh, it reminds me of so when we were first coming to Mission City, we had made the decision that we were going to leave the the job that I had and leave the job that, um, well, Sarah was going to continue in her job, but I was going to leave the job that I had. We were going to move. We were going to take this on this new task, this new role, and we weren't really sure how we were going to do it. It took a few months for me to find a new job. Uh, we were trying to find a, buy a house at the time. We didn't really have enough money to put a down payment on the houses that we were looking at. Uh, so we were just kind of like waiting, saving up our resources in order to do so. And we knew that we were called to do it, but man, it just didn't seem like we had the funds or the resources necessary to do what God was asking us. And one morning we opened up her door to, I was, I was leaving for work and I just saw this check, uh, or this, it was an envelope, uh, on our doorstep, but it contained a check, uh, from an anonymous person who just decided, Hey, I, I, you know, I, I honestly still to this day, this was, you know, over three years ago to this point, And I still have no idea who it was. I've, I've got some guesses. Um, I've, I've got some ideas of who I think it might have been, but, but honestly, I have no idea who it was to this day. And, and I just praise God, um, for them. And, and I honestly, I, like, I, I'm encouraged by that, that they, whoever they are, have, have never sought after, um, thanks or any kind of acknowledgement or appreciation from it. Um, I, I believe that they're living out this, this teaching that, that they will receive their reward in heaven. They 
they will receive reward from their heavenly father. They don't, they don't need anything that I can give them any kind of appreciation or pat on the back or thanks or a repayment. Uh, if I, they just, they just did it out of the generosity of their heart and ever after, you know, being followers of Jesus and, and trying to uh, fund his mission in a way and what God was leading us to do. And so uh, I'm just encouraged reading this. I think about that story. And I think about how uh, I know that there are people that are living this out and I, I strive to do so myself as well. All right, let's spend the second half kind of of our time together here talking about this next section of Jesus' teaching. And it's called in a lot of our Bibles, a lot of our translations, even in probably the church that you grew up in, if you grew up in church, it's called the Lord's Prayer. And the funny thing is, is it's not really the Lord's prayer. It's not really Jesus's prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. It's what he tells the disciples to do when they pray. And so let's talk about it real quick here. So I'm going to read kind of his general, Jesus' general teachings on prayer, and then we'll spend some time together in the midst of the Lord's prayer or or the disciples' prayer, if you will. So he starts out by saying this, when you pray, you must not look like the hypocrites. You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they might be that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Again, Jesus is kind of going through this process of like, if you receive reward here on earth, that's your reward. That's what you've got. When you do things that are unseen, when you do things that are that don't receive appreciation, or when you do things that you know don't need to be, uh, um, you know, repaid you will receive your reward from heaven. I think about this actually a lot inside of the context of even inside of like my family. Um, you know, I try to try to serve, you know, my wife, my, my child, try to be a good husband, good, uh, father and do things for them. And oftentimes, sometimes it, it can feel like, you know, not that I am this great, not, I, you know, I have a lot of room to grow in both of those aspects of my life, but sometimes I'll do something and it'll seem like no one noticed that I did it. And I'll have this thought of like, I wonder if I should let them know that I did that just, just so that they're aware, you know, like I, and then as I read this, I'm like, huh, like, am I seeking reward from the people here on earth or am I doing it because I know that I, like, this is what it looks like for me to create human flourishing inside of my own household and to be a good father and a good husband and just to serve the people around me. And I don't need their appreciation necessarily. I don't need anything that they can give me or their thanks. Uh, I do it because it's what I know that I'm supposed to do. And I will receive reward from that later, maybe. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of brings that up for me. So uh, again, going back to this idea, this reward, like, do you, are you looking for a reward now or are you a better reward in the future? Okay, let's pick it back up in verse six. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I don't think that Jesus is necessarily saying that you can only pray when no one else is around or when you're in, uh, as he puts it, in secret here, or uh, whatever the uh, Greek translation is here. I think what he's saying is that the idea is that you wouldn't pray for the benefit of others, but that you would genuinely seek God. So he talks about these people that pray on street corners and they do with these long, lengthy prayers in order to uh, hype themselves up or to make themselves sound smarter. You've probably been in a room before if you've been around Christians for a while. You've probably been in a room before and, you know, that person that's praying on and on and on. And it just feels like this is almost like they're they're almost peacocking, you know, in their prayers. And, and you know, maybe they're doing it intentionally, maybe they're not, but that can kind of feel that way. You know that feeling. And uh, I think, like, 
what Jesus is saying here is, you know, like, again, it's not necessarily, obviously he's not saying that we should never pray around another human being. Um, we pray for people all the time. We pray with people all the time, and those are good things. But ultimately, it's that we should pray genuinely seeking God and not anything that we can receive from the people around us. Again, these, these teachings just kind of continue to build on each other. Okay, let's pick it back up in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Ooh, that last line. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I think we probably would all be better prayers if we kept that in mind. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I, So often it's either I question if, you know, is this really like, a big enough deal to bring to God? Does God need, really need to to hear about this worry? Or um, is God really going to answer this? Like, I'm okay if he doesn't answer it. You know, I just kind of like tentatively go to him and, you know, it's, it, God, it's okay if you if you don't. I, I still believe in you. We're, we're good. You know, I just, but this would be nice to have or, you know, whatever. It's like, you know what? God is a good father who loves you and cares for you and knows what you need before you even ask for it. The asking is more so like for your own benefit than it is for God's. Like, you're not letting God know something that he doesn't already know. And so keeping that in mind, I think when we go to pray, maybe gives us a little bit more confidence that we don't have to ask in just the right way, or we don't have to ask for just the right things, or that God's not going to care about what we have to ask from him, or that we're going to ask you know, for things that don't matter, something like that, but that God knows what we need. And to come before him and just present those things as much for our own benefit as for any... Um, and so he goes on and he's going to start this 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 prayer. And he's going to teach them kind of a framework for a basic prayer. Now, if you're someone who really struggles to pray in a group of people or you just kind of don't have a ton of confidence with prayer, I would encourage you to maybe memorize this prayer. It's not super long. Um, it's you know, one, two, five, six, eight. 10, it's 10 lines that are only, you know, four or five, uh, words each. It's, it's not long. It's not difficult, but it, it, it does give you a framework for how to pray and what are good things to include in your prayers. And so maybe consider if you really do struggle to, to pray in person, to, to memorize this. I know for some faith traditions, this, this prayer gets recited over and over and they have it memorized. It, typically in our non-denominational context that Mission City falls into, we don't really have this prayer memorized. We don't practice it on a regular basis, but it is obviously like Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray this way. So there's value, there's merit there. And so if you really struggle to pray, uh, I would encourage you to to consider just, you know, what does it look like to memorize this prayer to, and to practice it that way? Otherwise, I want to teach us uh, a, a way to maybe look at this as a framework and not just a line for line memorization opportunity. Uh, I, I think since it's just me today, let's do something. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to do something a little bit interesting here. Uh, I want to talk about these this prayer in chunks, and then I'm just going to throw some music on and give you maybe 10, 15 seconds to respond in prayer yourself. So uh, hopefully, if, if you're driving, you know, I encourage you not to close your eyes right now. This is not the time for that. Uh, keep driving. But you know, as I give you prompts, um, give you the opportunity to kind of spend 10, 15 seconds praying to God using the framework of this prayer. We're going to practice it together and just give you the opportunity to experience what Jesus is intending for his disciples to pray like. So 
He starts out like this. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he's addressing God in this. He's acknowledging God and not only acknowledging him, but giving him honor. He's saying, your name is holy. Uh, You are in heaven. You are above me or I'm acknowledging my position as I'm humbly coming before my father who is above me in heaven and he is holy. And so uh, as we start this prayer, I just want to encourage you to acknowledge God Uh, You can close your eyes again if you're not driving or something like that, but acknowledge God. And think about this. What's your favorite thing about God? What's your favorite thing about God? Is it it that he loves you? Is it that he has sent his son to die for you? Is it that he is a God of justice? Is it that God is merciful? Is it that God is a healer? Is it that God brings light into darkness? Is it, you know, whatever it may be, whatever your favorite thing about God is, go ahead and acknowledge him and then tell him about that thing that you love about him. I'm going to give you 10, 15 seconds here to to go ahead and do that. Okay, let's pick it back up in verse 10 here. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, in this section, what he's asking or the framework that he's creating is that we would align our desires with God's. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. Would we see heaven take place here on earth? Would you help me, God, to create pockets of heaven here on earth? Would you align my desires with yours? And so uh, as we take another 10 to 15 seconds here, I'd encourage you to think about where is your viewpoint of the world maybe different or out of alignment with God's and to ask him that. God, how can I see the world the way you see it? Take 10 to 15 seconds to do so. Okay, I hope you're enjoying this. Hope you're with us so far. We've got just a few more to go here. He says in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Give me everything I need today, but only what I need. Give me the basic necessities of my day and give me what I need. So he says uh, down to, like he, he, he equates it to giving us our daily bread or the daily food. This is kind of even a, a callback to the Israelites in the wilderness and how God provided manna for them. He, he provided food. He provided sustenance, substance for, to maintain their life. And that's really what our connection with God is. It's, it's, it's a life-giving, life-changing perspective or, or connection that gives us life. And so, I'm going to take another 10 to 15 seconds here uh, to ask God to give me everything that you need today. And not just that, down to the basic needs, but help you to know that if you don't receive it, you didn't need it. And that might be the most difficult part of this prayer. It says, God, give us our daily bread. If you were to pray, God, would you give me exactly what I need today? And every day you, you, you woke up the next day, God, give me exactly what I need today. And, and there was something that you really felt like you needed, but day in and day out, you just never received it. Even though you were asking God daily to give you what you needed, maybe the hardest part of this prayer is just acknowledging that, God, if I haven't received it yet, then it must not be something that I need right now. And so would you take uh, just, uh, just a few seconds here to acknowledge, God, would you give me what I need today? Would you help me to know that if I don't receive it, then I didn't need it today?
All right, picking it back up in verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, this is, there's an assumption here, it's past tense, that we have forgiven, that you have already forgiven. So I would pause right here. If you have unforgiveness or there's someone that you need to forgive, to spend a second to just forgive them, to, to just ask God. I know it can be incredibly difficult to forgive. And, and honestly, forgiveness looks different for a lot of people and in a lot of different situations. But, but would you pray for God to give you a spirit of forgiveness, to allow you to forgive anyone who has wronged you in this moment? Because honestly, that God calls us to forgive as we have been forgiven as well. He's going to get to that in verses 14 and 15 after the prayer teaching. But he says here, verse 12, forgive us our debts. So we have forgiven our debtors. So God, would you help me to understand forgiveness? Would you help me to acknowledge forgiveness? I ask you to forgive me and help me to forgive others. Where in my heart do I lack forgiveness? Last section here says in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, we talk about in this series or in this podcast so much about how God takes sin very seriously. And sometimes we struggle to do so. We kind of flippantly just, we, we, we sin without really counting like the cost or the consequences, what it means to God that we sin. And so God, would you help me, would you help us to see our sin in the way that you see it? When you say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, God, would you deliver us from the temptations of this world? Would we make it such a priority that daily we would ask you to keep us from sin, to keep us from falling into temptation? Would you save us from that? And when I am tempted, would you rescue me? Take a few seconds to ask your Heavenly Father to do so. Okay, there you have it. You have prayed through the framework of the disciples' prayer, the way that Jesus taught his followers to pray. And I would encourage you, if you uh, maybe you're someone who struggles to pray or whatever, and you, you don't really want to memorize this, you can go back into, you know, kind of rewind this episode a little bit, maybe take each of those prompts, write them down in a journal, something like that, hang on to those, and you can just come back to that and fill in new uh, prayers along the way as you uh, are feel prompted to from this framework that Jesus teaches his disciples to use in order to pray. Now he's going to wrap up this teaching in verses 14 and 15, talking about uh, forgiving others and uh, receiving forgiveness. He says, actually, he gives this really difficult passage as well. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your your father forgive your trespasses. Now, I'm going to save a little bit of that. We're going to talk about that in our next episode next week. Um, and I, I want to dive into that a little bit deeper. But for this week, hope you've enjoyed this episode. Hope that you uh, see your resources with generosity and the way that you can uh, be generous to others. I hope that this prayer uh, walk through this, this kind of idea of what the disciples' prayer looked like and how you can participate in it has been helpful for you. Uh, if you if it is, please send this episode to somebody else. Let them know, hey, I, I really benefited from learning a little bit of how to pray today. Would you check out this episode and maybe it might help you as well. We love you guys. Thanks so much for checking this episode out. We'll be back next week with another episode here in our uh, Greatest Sermon Ever Told series. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.